Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, all you gearheads and car fiends, welcome to Driven Radio Show, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield here with my co-host and engineer extraordinaire, Mr. Mark Groves. Yo. We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios, where it is nice and cool inside because yes, it, it is scorching uh, hot it's outside. the bowels of hell right now, uh, okay. and it's not even getting bad yet. <laughs> I, saw, I saw Satan outside walking around with a bag of ice on his yeah, head. dripping sweat going, dang, A little people. bit warm. <laughs> Before we get to our fantabulous guest, who we have not had a chance to speak to in quite a while, I got a little bit of news for you. Uh, first of all, I wrote my 400th article for GM Authority yesterday. Wow. A little bit of scribbling. Are there 400 Chevys you can talk about? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's no, the 38th I, article on the yeah, Tahoe. I, I got I got some repeats, and on a lot of cars, I have become my own database. Oh, that's awesome, though. Well, if you want to talk about 87 Grand National GNXs, I'm your boy, because I've written those up a bit. How was your article on the Corsica? Did that go over well? Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, yeah almost as well as the, <laughs> the article sunburned. I wrote over the... Uh, one, a few of the early articles I wrote were just... <laughs> Cringy. Uh, you know. And there was the one on most popular car colors that I had to force myself to come up with 300 words on uh, and stuff like that. And then there's been others where, you know, it was one article broken into six pieces because, you know, diarrhea of the keyboard. Well, sometimes, you know, just uh, writing up enough numbers. That's what I do for a living now. I'm out of radio and I write blogs. And let me tell you something. Uh, writing a 4,000 word blog on coffee. <laughs> <laughs> How much time did they give you for research? Because I bet uh, I could do one. One day. One day. And that was, it takes, it was uh, actually, it was supposed to be 3,000, but I, you know, being who I am, well, you're Mark. verbus vomitus, and then there were two 1,200-word uh, pillar blogs. So, yeah, it makes for an exciting day. I have had my editor tell me, you know, you might want to trim this down a little. <laughs> yeah, you'd think. <laughs> that 300-word article that turned out to be 1,200 words. <laughs> you know, you, you, you might want to pare it down. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, other good news, uh, you know, when I bought that 65 Corvette a couple of years ago, I bought it from a guy who said it had a replacement block in it, he thought. Yeah. And I, you know, I bought it to be a driver. I paid driver money for it. Sure. And, you know, when I got it back from uh, Rick Hunter's Hot Rod Express, and it was oh. so nice, and they made the engine bay look so good they on did. that. They did. did a great job on the paint and everything else. I started looking at it because it seemed like... Okay, everything's got serial numbers on it. Maybe I ought to check this out. Took a few of my Corvette backs outside. The carb, the intake, the block, and the casting number on the front of the the casting number on the back, and the VIN on the front, and the exhaust manifold. Every number I've checked on that car is a matching number. What? Everything on the whole car. Oh my god! You know I haven't what? checked like the radiator <laughs> expansion tank yet. But everything so far is a matching number, and I was really tempted to call up my guy back and go, "You big dummy, <laughs> you screwed up, uh, and I love you for it." Never mind. I'll just you know spend the rest of the week breaking my arm, patting myself yeah. on the back, feeling incredibly smart. I thought you were about two inches taller when I walked in. I'm like, "What's up with him?" So I'm that's walking the, on my toes, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Our special guest this week is muscle car expert, director of company relations, and lead TV commentator for Mecham Auctions, Mr. John Kramen. We haven't had John on in quite yeah. a while. And uh, he's here to give us a quick peek at a quick peek. You're never going to be able mm-hmm. to do it quickly at the flurry of activity in the Mecham Auction world and all the cool stuff that's been going on. John, welcome back to Driven Radio. Yeah, it has been a long time. In fact, guys, it has been too long. Always love hanging out with you guys and talking my favorite subject, cars. Absolutely. I want to start off discussing the massive sales Meekum had last year. I don't think we've had a chance to talk since before Kansas City. And you, you all had record numbers. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah, it's incredible. We actually, we run our uh, year. We don't run a calendar year. We run um, our company year and we actually end it, uh, the end of, uh, January. So we run it basically February to February. Okay. That's just how, that's just how we do it. It's just a internal accounting thing. Can you, can you believe it though? In a 12 month calendar period, $785 million in the wow. sale of collector vehicles. More than three and quarters a, of a billion. billion. And that's interesting that you say that because, you know, with with anywhere between fifty and a hundred million dollars a year increases that have been consistent over the past five or six years, we are honestly we've got our sights on one billion dollars. It's probably not going to happen this year, or next year, but we're already this year off to a record pace. So we're optimistic we're going to crack that seven hundred and eighty-five million dollar amount that we did for our fiscal year twenty twenty-two. And man, we're just having a heck of a year with you know Kissimmee in the books and our Glendale. Uh, auction and uh, uh, our motorcycle auction in January, all really super strong events. And we're getting revved up for an incredibly busy summer. So much going on. It's unbelievable. You have a lot of summer coming toward you. But first, I want to talk about you just wrapped up the 36th annual Spring Classic in Indianapolis. How was the sale and what were some of the biggest lots? Yeah, incredible. How about $113 million for Dana Meekham's 36th? annual original spring classic now keep in mind that is the granddaddy of all mecham auctions it's not the biggest kasimia is indy's our second largest but we build that auction as the granddaddy and it's also really such a hardcore muscle car auction we did 113 million dollars in the sale of collector vehicles our top 10 was all american products good uh we, we do sell yeah we do sell a lot of european cars both you know vintage and contemporary exotics and others but uh, it was all, in fact, of the top 10, uh, all were performance cars with the exception of a pre-war V16 Cadillac. Well, we'll put that in there. That counts as yes. an American <laughs> car, of course. Um, but, yeah, it was a fantastic event. What a uh, second year in a row. We've cracked $100 million at our annual Indy auction. And what's interesting about that particular auction is, is that was Mopar Mania. That's what got all the attention. Mark's, Mark's going to need a minute. Yeah. Car, yeah. <laughs> of course two, it was. <laughs> yeah. Two very special cars, very highly anticipated. Uh, the first one, of course, was the Black Ghost, the 70 Challenger uh, RT, uh, SE, ordered new by uh, a police officer in Detroit, legendary street racer, uh, raced this car for about five years up through the mid-70s, would go out and race it and then would go hightail it for home and leave the car inside for literally months at a time. All the good stuff, four-speed, 410 gears, track pack. Oh. Plus, he ordered a ton of options. It's the only one option this way. 
all black, triple black with the gator grain top, made power windows, MFM radio or MFM stereo radio, just a really unique car. Long story short, uh, unfortunately, the owner of the car, Godfrey Qualls, passed away in 2015. He willed the car to his son. It has got a lot of accolades, including it got inducted into the National Historic Register, spent time on the mall in the glass house, oh, Washington, wow. D.C. Yes, it did. But, yeah. And anyway, long story short, it brought over a million dollars. It was a big, huge monster payoff for the Qualls family. Reports are coming in that a brand spanking new. Now, keep in mind, 300 Dodge Last Call Black Ghosts are being built to finish out the end of the line for both the Challenger and the Charger platform in its current configuration. And, of course, the Hellcat V8s as well. But they're actually they're making 301. They're making an extra one. Oh, cool. Gifting it. Gift Dodge is gifting one to the Qualls family. Don't know if they've oh. got it yet, but it definitely is on its way. So anyway, that was exciting. But even more exciting than that, if that's even possible, the 1970 CUDA V-Code 446 pack, uh, part of the rapid transit yeah. uh, system show cars, one of four that were built, it sold for $2 million dollars. With a pre-auction estimate of five hundred thousand to six hundred fifty thousand dollars, the crowd went wild. Guys, took the roof off the place. I'll bet the owner went wild too. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Look up that car. That is a cool-looking car. Yeah, you know a guy by the name of Chuck Miller, Styline Customs, over in Detroit. He built the car back in nineteen seventy. And can you believe this? He drove the car up to the auction block. He's in his eighties now, and he spoke to the crowd on behalf of the owner that owned the car. From 1971 up until last year, who's in his 90s in a nursing home, spoke on behalf. But talk about nice. talk about muscle car royalty extraordinaire. Talk about A-lister. Talk about an A-plus lister. Anyway, the crowd was there. It was Mopar fever, Mopar mania. And, you know, really good to see that there's still so much attention to high-performance Mopars, muscle cars in general. But, boy, the Mopar's got a lot of attention. Absolutely. Yeah. So... As we've said before, Meekum has an extremely busy summer ahead of you. You've got the world's lo- largest road art sale beginning today <laughs> and running through June 25th. You've got your Kissimmee Summer Special coming up, your Harrisburg, Pennsylvania sale, and also Monterey. Uh, and all of these events are in the next couple of months. Uh, can you tell us what to expect from each of them? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, the Road Art Auction is being billed as the world's largest. That's going to run for five days. Thousands of lots will be crossing the block, and it's being held at our corp- corporate headquarters in Walworth, Wisconsin, a venue we don't normally use, but it's ideal for that. And uh, I was actually there yesterday for the full day, getting helping them get it all uh, all prepped, and uh, it's just it's astonishing. I really invite your listeners, go to Meekum.com and look up the photographs and the images of the incredible amount of road art. Now, what is defined as road art? That's Meekum's trademark name for anything that might be considered Americana memorabilia. It doesn't necessarily have to be automotive related. Uh, could be uh, uh, slot machines, celebrity signed guitars, baseball bats, but it's primarily high end uh, automobile related items with a big emphasis on neon signs yes tin and porcelain signs and a ton of gas pumps it's wild and a lot of the stuff is lit up on site it's a that glow of the neon 
is madrigals. And the photos online do show off that. You can see it. It's pretty cool. Also, uh, Kissimmee, right around the corner. Yeah, we call it the Kissimmee Summer Special. We started that, guys, back in the pandemic when we had to cancel some auctions just due to venues not being available. Uh, County laws, uh, city laws, different things that were going on, different restrictions. So Florida was a really great place for us to do business with. So we started holding, I think this will be our third or fourth year, doing a kind of a downscale, kind of a mini Kissimmee January. And we're going back to Osceola Heritage Park. Last year, we were at the Orlando Convention Center. Great venue. But uh, we're going back to Osceola Heritage Park. Um, and we're going to have 12 hours of TV on Motor Trend. So if you can't make it at the auction, tune in there. And that is going to run uh, July 6th through the 9th. And I want to say, we originally put a target out at 1,000 cars. We blew past that. We added the fourth day. Now oh. our target is 15 hundred cars that indicates just how strong that Florida market is. Wow. That is fantastic. And that's a lot of metal to move. Yeah. And it's going to be warm down there, but it doesn't matter. We've been down there before and it's all about the cars and the arena that we actually do the uh, auctioning in down there is uh, air conditioned and very comfortable. So invite everybody. If you're down there, come on out and see the best car show of the summer in, in the Orlando area. Quickly following up uh, Kissimmee, You've got the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania auction. And how long have you been doing that? Yeah, Harrisburg is an interesting one. I think this is maybe our about our 10th year in Harrisburg. We wanted to pick a northeast location for an auction. And I'll tell you guys, it's really hard to find a suitable venue that has dates available that work with us. Oh. But it really worked out well. Now, Harrisburg um, at the uh, Pennsylvania Farm Center is a great venue, but we did some rough calculating and approximately 25% of the entire population of the United States live within a four hour drive no of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So we're looking to have about 1200 cars there, four days. We'll have 18 hours of television coverage coming up there. <laughs> and it's one of the most enthusiastic crowds of any Mecham auction. In fact, our doors always open at eight o'clock and about seven o'clock they start lining up and they literally make a beeline to get their seats they literally run to their seats. That dynamic happens at no other Mecham auction, but every single year it happens at Harrisburg, another area where not only do they love cars, but obviously they love coming to a Mecham auction. And we were gone for a couple of years due to the pandemic. So but we've been back now. This will be our second year we, that we've actually been back. And uh, that, that's a really good auction, by the way, with entry and mid-level collectibles. There'll be some high-end stuff there too, but man, you come there with a budget of twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, you will have a lot of good choices, a lot of really nice cars without breaking the bank out there. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tell me I know. <laughs> and then we have Monterey. Now, Monterey Car oh, Week yeah. is an absolute zoo parade every stinking year. Yep. And uh, every year we come back from that, and I tell Rhonda, I've got Ferrari, McLaren, and Lamborghini fatigue, FML. <laughs> and it it's just... You can't believe it until you've seen it. And your auction at Monterey is always fantastic. Well, it is. And, you know, we've been going there. I think 2009 was our first year there at Monterey. And, you know, that event's been going on for over 50 years. And it is literally a world event. So much gone with races and shows and tours and cruises, new car reveals. And, of course, Mecham Auctions is there. It's interesting. that It's our smallest auction in car count. We only put a target of 600 over three days. But are you ready for this? 
It's got the highest per car average of any Mecham auction. Oh, that's no surprise. That's right. no surprise. And nope. And we will have more Ferraris than Camaros and more Porsches than Mustangs. And it's the <laughs> only auction that has that dynamics. And we'll be having eight hours of television coverage there. You know, I'm talking about the television coverage. Folks want to come out to a Mecham auction. Come on out. Tickets in advance, 20 bucks, 30 bucks at the gate. It allows you complete access into the facility. You look at all the cars, there's seats for those people. It's especially an event like Monterey where there's so much going on and a lot of the stuff is really expensive out there. This is a great way. It's a four-day auction uh, right in the middle of Historic Week, right in mid-August. It's a great way to come out and just hang out with your friends and look at some cool cars, catch the auction action, and check off that box if you already haven't experienced it. One of the things you've got out at Monterey is one of the special collections, which there are special collections at every auction. Yep. But you've got one out there, the Veloce, Schnell, and Fast Collection, that's stuffed full of vintage Ferraris, Porsches, and Austin Healy's. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because if you look at the pictures online, every one of them's jaw dropping. <laughs> this is this is, I think, safe to say, the finest collection of vintage, high performance European cars that we have ever had at any auctions, much less Monterey. And I love the name of it. It really does tell the story. Veloce, Italian for speed. Uh, Schnell, same thing, obviously in German. And then fast, representing the, you know, the British side, the English speaking. But uh, over two dozen cars as part of that collection. Four Austin Healy's, a Sunbeam, a Jag, but 12 Ferraris, seven Porsches, and one MG. And my personal star of the show, the ultimate Ferrari, the dream Ferrari. 1965 Ferrari 500 Superfast, one of only 12 of the Series 2 cars built. Now, this is a this was a car that was top of the line. It was double the price of the next cheapest Ferrari. It was double the price of a Rolls-Royce. These were cars that literally were sold to royalty around the world. Big 5-liter V12 with 400 horsepower back oh. in 1965. It's a ultra-plush, ultra-expensive, super-rare, very rarely seen, and... Uh, as I mentioned, it's one of 12 of the Series 2 cars, which is the end of the line for them. And it's the very first one off the uh, off the assembly line. That's my star. And also one of the Porsches part of that collection is a 79146 with that two-liter cool. six-cylinder engine with the five-speed transmission in beautiful condition. That is an emerging collectible. They are really starting to take off in the collector car world. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I can remember when you could buy those for used Chevy huh. money, and you can't touch them now. <laughs> no, I remember, I remember, you know, as a young guy, uh, I was in high, I graduated high school in 1974. So I remember those cars on the used car lots for, you know, a couple, two, three thousand dollars. Um, rarely did you see the six owner. Most of them were the 914 fours, four yeah. cylinders with the 1.7 liter engine. But anyway, I remember seeing those cars. They were kind of all over the place. Uh, and they just kind of went away, and now they're starting to come back. And I'm going to guess that that 914.6 is going to bring north of $100,000. Oh, absolutely. I would not be surprised. And yeah. No doubt in my mind. Also at Monterey is the Doug and Christine Dressler collection. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what's in that? Yeah. You know, one thing that we've learned over time, and that is, is there's a lot of folks out there that have a theme in collecting, and it's because the market is strong right now, whether it be on individual consignments or collections, great cars and great collections are really starting to come out of the woodwork. And uh, there's only four cars in the dresser collection, but they're all significant. There's 356, what I call chrome and thinner cars. 
from the Mopar gang. There's two New Yorkers. There's a convertible and a hardtop and a 56 DeSoto and then a 59 DeSoto adventurer. So a really unique blend of those wild, virginal, extra forward look styled cars. They're all pristine, award-winning, high-end cars. And that's going to be a nice point counterpoint to some of the European cars to see, you know, the heavy American 50s, as what I like to say, the Chrome and Thin Era cars also jumping into the mix out there. I can see Mark's heart beating through his shirt. 56 DeSoto, bring that on. Uh, Does that have a Hemi in it? Does that one... uh... One of the yeah, there's one one of the DeSotos has has a Hemi and the fifty nine the Hemi was gone in the DeSoto range, but it's got a dual quad three D three, so that would oh, make dang. up for that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean not, uh, not break quite my heart. <laughs> not quite Hemi, but every time you got multiple carburetors, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> one more collection that's at Monterey I want to touch on is the Santa Cruz collection. And uh, some two wheeled items in there and really got my heart going when I was looking at those this afternoon. Yeah, and one of those, well, they're all expensive. One of them is going to be massively expensive. We know that that vintage motorcycles are also a big part of the collector car world. In fact, Meekum traditionally in January does the world's largest vintage motorcycle auction out in Las Vegas at mm-hmm. South Point. And so a little bit of that kind of carries forward going into Monterey. It has evolved, as we've evolved Monterey, into a pretty strong cycle auction. So the Santa Cruz auction's got three bikes. It's got a 1942. These are all pre-war bikes. 1942 Indian Chief, early production bike, by the way. It's got a 1915 eight-valve Indian board racer, and my favorite, a 1918 Henderson 4. Now, what's special about that motorcycle? They are regarded as the Duesenberg of motorcycles. It looks original. The engine was rebuilt maybe 10 or 12 years ago, and it's been ridden 10,000 miles since. Oh, my. Rider. Yeah, it is just so cool. And I want to say, I just want to say that, give a little nod to all the motorcycle guys out there. Uh, I'm a motorcycle guy and a car guy. And I bought, back in 1980, I bought a a, a Kawasaki KZ1000. And I rode it, I put about 7,000 miles on it, put it away in the late 80s, tucked it away. That was a beast of a bike. Well... 35 years later, I've pulled it out of its cocoon. I got it running with the help of a local motorcycle shop. Nice. And I rode that motorcycle today for the first time in 35 years. I bought it. I was 25 years old when I bought it. And it was a, it was one year old. It was, it was left over. It was new, but I bought it in 1981. I was 25 years old. I'm 66 years old now. And I just rode that bike for the first time in 35 years. How was she? Unfreaking believable! <laughs> it was a absolute trip back in time. It just felt so comfortable and so right. And hats off to my buddy Todd at uh, Cycle Tech 2.0, Loves Park, Illinois, for getting that bike dialed in. He had to rebuild the carbs, the petcock, sure. all the fluids, some seals, all the normal kind of stuff. But uh, I only put about three miles on it today. But man, just really had a ball with that. So I'm honest uh, to God happy for you. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I yeah. Love now the I just got to keep it going. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, well, also uh, uh, be a little judicious with the throttle because you know what those things are like on the upper end. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's an absolute animal. It's still fast. Even today, it's still fast. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) 
after Monterey, Meekum's got so much stuff going on in the fall. You've got a sale in Dallas. You've got, you're going back to Indy for the fall special, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Las Vegas, and finally here in Kansas City. By the way, I expect you and David for stakes at my house when you're at KC hey, this year. Always, always willing. Well, there, the, it's a new get house. Get the grill to fired us. up. Uh, there's two. <laughs> Done. Uh, so when do you find time to sit still? We don't. We don't. The reality is uh, all of us at Mecham, we all wear, we all wear multiple hats. Uh, those of us that are full-time in the corporate headquarters, as I am, we've got duties unrelated to what people know us as. You know, Frank Mecham runs the block. Uh, a lot of the consignment agents run either the bid goes on department or they run the absentee phone bidding departments. We all have a job on site, but we all have regular jobs as well. So we're in the, if we're not on the road, we are in the office continuing to consign cars, churn out content, our marketing efforts, our presentation efforts, our videos, everything that we do to support everything that we go is a nonstop so that there is no there is no free time, there's no time off. But guys, what's interesting is it all blends and it all meshes into everything that we do on our leisure time. It all works in regard to what we do for work. As an example, talking to you guys tonight, you know, this is this is what we do. We eat, live, and breathe the culture of auctions and the products that we sell. We own them, we drive them, we collect them, we can buy and sell at auction, and we do. And we just love it. It's a passion-driven business. It's never about profit. It's never about saving money or watching, you know, where the money's going. It's basically, if you build it, they will come. And that has been a strategy that Dana Meekum has been putting forward and has instilled in all of us that dates back to day one, back in 1988, 36 years ago, he had a vision. And that vision has come true. We are the world's largest live collector car auction, and nobody is even in our sights. We have blown so far past everybody, and it's strictly and solely driven on passion. We love what we do. We've got a heck of a crew, and uh, we're not letting off the gas, boys. We are not. Well, all of that would have to be true. We've had the discussion among ourselves and other guests before about how many cars you move through either Kissimmee in January or Indy or anything else. And when you do that, you got to remember – there's all the paperwork for every car. There's checking uh, checking the cars and the titles and the paperwork and collecting the money and completing the sale. And that's just a tiny sliver of what you do. Think about going to the DMV and trying to get a used car that you bought tagged and making sure you've got all the stuff you need. Now, multiply that by 1,200 <laughs> and think of the enormous mountain of work that is behind that. And that doesn't go to setting up a venue, having all of the bleachers out, having all of the, everything that goes into putting on a Meekum auction. And we've discussed this before, and, and not with you, just among Mark and I and other guests, and the chaotic nature of that and the way you wrangle it all. And we are all very impressed and uh, a little bit scared of what that might take. <laughs> what are some of the market trends you're seeing over the collector car market since, you know, we haven't talked for a good six months. I'm kind of wondering what right. you're seeing, what the market is doing. Is it still as white hot as it has been the last few years? 
yeah, what's happening is, you know, we know that uh, the pandemic era, as we all kind of refer to it as, really seemed to heighten people's desire to have things that put them in their happy place. Uh, whether it be, you know, finally buying the home that they always wanted or doing a remodeling or a boat or an RV, same thing applies to collector vehicles. So now that hopefully, knock on wood, we're past <laughs> that now, um, it's now it's time to kind of wait and see what is happening so far in this post-pandemic era. And all indications, there's nothing at all to even show or indicate that anything is changing. Now, here's one thing that I have noticed. And I have noticed that cars that bring exceptionally large amounts of money draw other similar cars as we go into that year. But very rarely do those cars have the same level of quality, uniqueness, rarity. So just because a 1970 Pontiac GTO Judge Rammer 4 convertible brings $1 million hammer price at Mecham Indy, as it did, doesn't mean that every 1970 GTO judge is going to bring a million dollars. I'm wondering, so, was that the yeah. silver one or the orange one? Because I've written up two. <laughs> Orbit orange, yeah. Chuck Kakoma's Orbit orange car. Uh, that was the shot heard around the world, uh, in the, especially in the GTO world. First time ever at a, at a live public auction that we saw that kind of money, a seven-figure hammer price. But it was an and exceptional what, car. Car was phenomenal. But what's interesting is, guys, the car wasn't automatic. Could you imagine how much more it would have brought had that car been a four-speed? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, four-speed muscle cars from 1970 are kind of the holy grail, whether they be, you know, a 442 or, or you know, LS6 Chevelle convertible from that year. It was Man, the ultimate four-speed. Yeah. Ultimate year for GM muscle cars, and it was never bigger or better. Right, right on. But, yeah, the quality of this car was just exceptional. It had you know, the right amount of promotion and, you know, the buyers were there and they wanted it. The serious buyers, you know, talking about trends, we're seeing a shift in the demographics. And what I find especially interesting and gratifying as a car guy is we seem to be moving ahead as the boomers, which right now I would put them at maybe, I don't know, between 60 and say 75 years old. As all of us in that age group, as we're aging and moving past that, there's a whole new generation of enthusiasts that is moving up. There's younger buyers. Now, there's not 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds, maybe even 40-year-olds, but there's a lot of 50-year-old folks that finally have their careers or their businesses on track. They hopefully got their bills paid down. Now it's time to have some fun, a car that they wanted as a kid or the cars that they've identified during their adult years as something cool and collectible and special to have or collect or look at and drive. Everybody's got a different story and a different desire. But those buyers are moving into the market. And if you watch any Mecham auction and you watch the age of the buyers out in that crowd, it's not the old gray-haired guys anymore exclusively buying. Watch any Mecham auction for, a, for an example of what I'm talking about. We see guys there with their kids jumping in on the action as well and gals. You know, this is the collecting cars is still a very vibrant, very exciting and very viable way for folks to spend it, presuming they've got some discretionary income. Yeah, I would say that the pandemic did more for the collector car world than any other single event in the last 25 years. And Agreed. it helped a lot of us get back to what we enjoyed about it and re-embrace 
what we find so wonderful about collector cars. And, uh, you know, I was no different. I went out and bought another Corvette. Uh, and, it, but I was a dummy. I drove it home from Monterey and I live in Kansas city. <laughs> so, uh, Hey, speaking of doing dumb things, yeah. <laughs> our usual final question is what's the dumbest thing you've done in a car, but we've had you on a lot and we've had, we've discussed this at length. So now the question we've got for you is what's the dumbest car related thing you've seen happen in the last year? Well, I hate to say it, but I'm going to. I'm going to break outside the box. This has got nothing to do with any auction experiences, but just a general automotive world. There seems to have been a time in our not-so-distant past, within the past 12 months, staying within your time period, where it seemed like the automotive world in general was all lathered up on an upcoming all-electric future. (laughs) All right? I'm going with you on this. Fast forward. I don't fast forward to the current day. Look, I'm not anti-electric. I think they're great. I've driven them. They are super fun to drive. But we're not going to wiggle our nose and have everybody driving a green, and I'm kind of grinning as I say that, Yes, a green car overnight. It is not going to happen. The transition to EV overnight for whatever the purpose is simply not going to happen. And I think that if I was a manufacturer, I don't know right now I would be putting all of my marbles in the EV basket at this time. Um, you know, certainly they, they're going to need an EV to stay competitive with that market segment that wants it. It's a market driven segment, yeah. not a demand segment, but it's where not you're telling a, people to have to have it, but it's not a huge market segment. Now it's, it's running right now. It's about you know, nationally, it's running, what, about 6 or 7% of the total car sales? Yeah, I wasn't even sure it was that high. I was going to say It may not even be five. that high. Yeah, yeah. But, no. and, and as far as performance is concerned, you can't deny how stinking impressive a lot of the EVs are, especially some of the stuff from Tesla and the Porsche Taycan yep. and stuff like yep. that. It, it is impressive, but... It's not going to solve the problem we think we have with internal combustion engines. Uh, and there are lots of other reasons that I don't want to dig into. I've heard from some of our listeners about stop knocking on EVs. Uh, <laughs> EVs are great. They're just, it's not going to take over the world, especially in the short term. And I'll say short term, the next five years. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not the panacea that everybody thinks it is. It's going to take, it's going to take some changes in our current tech before we find that bandage, that band aid. We've been speaking with John Craman, muscle car expert and consignment director for Meekum Auctions. You can find John on Twitter at Car Craman and find Meekum Auctions at Meekum Auction on Facebook, at Meekum on Twitter, at Meekum hyphen auctions on LinkedIn and Meekum underscore auctions on Instagram. And, of course, at Meekum.com. John, thanks again for being with us. It's been too long, pal. I look forward to seeing you again. Well, let's hope we get together sooner than later, guys. Always a pleasure, <laughs> and thanks so much for the interest. It may be sooner than you think. I postponed my knee surgery so I could go to Monterey. Yay. <laughs> Maybe not the brightest thing I've ever done, but Priorities. I'm going. <laughs> John, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. And that's why I like having John on. He makes my job. Simple. Oh, well, he knows everything. Yeah. He just knows. Well, and you ask him a question, just get out of the way for five <laughs> minutes because 
he's got so much information and so much going on. It's just so easy. And I'm, I'm, we used to have him on a lot more and it seems like we've been so busy and trying to get other people on. Uh, I miss having John on just makes, makes it easy, man. <laughs> uh, a few of our guests know this. We, we, and, and some of our listeners do too. We have guests that I call chainsaw guests. <laughs> Yeah. Because <laughs> all you got to do is fire them up and get out of the way. <laughs> get out of the way. And, and they will take care of it. And John is one of those, and God bless him for it. Amen. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. A note about Instagram. I know I don't put up enough crap. I I know. I know. You don't have to keep telling me. <laughs> but the beauty about Instagram now, by the way, is that you can upload stuff from your computer. Yeah. It used to be just your phone, and that well, drove me freaking nuts. And that's the thing. I only have about 400,000 images on my computer from stuff I've shot with a very nice camera. I never use my phone. I don't. Yeah. I use my phone if I see something I want to show Rhonda. Look at this idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Anyway, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. You can find us on LinkedIn as Driven Radio Show Podcast. And you can listen everywhere, find podcasts for heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Mark L. Groves. Yo. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Mm-hmm.